Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. afternoon good evening good morning on this wrestlemania week well post wrestlemania week um this is chain wrestling with mags and Sai. i am the slightly tetchy and grumpy and may have something to say about a few things in a few minutes Sai. and with me as always he is the wrestlemania night one to my wrestlemania night two he is the nwo's vincent to my four horsemen's Paul Roma. Um, <laughs> he is a very tired podcaster who says, with all the football wrestling and recording this week, Sai, for fuck's sake, don't piss me off with that Hogan warrior saving the world bullshit at the end of the show. It's Mr. Mags himself. How are we doing, sir? I mean, for context, I didn't say that. But I <laughs> definitely, definitely did think it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm absolutely knackered. I... I can tell that I'm becoming an, a, a, an old grumpy bastard because ten years ago I would have been I would have just cracked on with a WrestleMania like this and then just gone about my day without even a care in the world. Now it's killed me. I feel emotionally drained from from four nights of, of top quality wrestling with a break in the middle. Let, let let me let me just add there was a day in the middle where there was uh, no WWE on so I, I had a nice little break but it still absolutely killed me. Uh still recovering now. I'll probably be still recovering next week. Yeah. But it's been good. I know what you mean. I had uh I sort of tried to stay in bed as late as possible. Um the NXT shows I watched the following day there wasn't any sort of pressing urgency for me with that but wrestlemania is a bit different my little girl wanted to watch it she's off school because of the easter holidays so she she always wanted to stay up and watch it live as we've done in a lot of recent years so the wife and i and my youngest um i would try and stay in bed as late as possible have a lie in um and then even try and go back to bed for an hour or two just before the show. Get those tacticals in. Yeah, exactly, mate, exactly. Um, Charlie tries to do the same, but she struggles to go back to sleep just before the show, really. Uh, and then we, we watch the WrestleMania, stay in bed late the next day, and so on. I'll be honest, mate, I I always preferred one-night WrestleManias, but this year, two nights felt quite nice. Yeah, and I hope it's uh, it becomes a regular thing. I can see it becoming a regular thing, especially when we get uh, stadiums full of fans. When you're looking at instead of like twenty five thousand, when you're looking at fifty, sixty thousand plus, I can honestly see doing a rethinking. We'll we'll book the stadium for the weekend, 
we'll sell 120,000 tickets, we'll double our money, and we'll still have these uh, three, three-and-a-half-hour shows rather than one massive seven, eight-hour show. I think it works brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And with the, with the two shows, with the two brands, I guess, both sides has their their women's title both sides has their men's mm-hmm. title both sides have their sort of secondary title i guess with the us and, and the intercontinental plus tag championships it does make sense i think to split the show into two otherwise you'll lo- you end up with stuff like the us title on the pre-show and it kind of de- yeah. devalues the belts and and you also got the, the the aspect of two war rumbles now which is still in the big scheme of things, uh, as a wrestling fan of my age, two war rumbles is still a relatively new thing in, in, in the sort of timeline of that event. So having two war rumble winners facing their respective champions makes perfect sense to me to have them headlining the two separate nights. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to go the full hog and, and, and call it a, a, a down the land brand split because I do like the mix of, uh, of SmackDown and, and Raw intermingling. I mean, like for instance, this year we had both the, the uh, mid card titles on, on that too, which for me, I, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree with you that um, if you're having the U S title or the intercontinental title on the pre-show, it, it, it does kind of, it, it makes it, look like it's not good enough to be on a main show, which yeah. I, 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 I just totally disagree with wholeheartedly. So the fact that they're able to to have these two nights um, and and get more, well, essentially the same amount of wrestling in from uh, previous WrestleManias, just, uh, just split over two nights. And you, if, if Vince can make double the money off that, I'm sure that's something he'd, he'd be uh, very much uh, appreciative of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'm not saying I'd like a a night of Raw and a night of SmackDown. F- very much far from it. I want it intermingled. I want. I mean, you could even have both Raw Rumble winners wanting to take their shots at both of them wanting to take their shots at Raw titles or something yeah. like that, and just splitting it over the two nights. It's it, it, it's easily done, but you can have a world title match on one night and the other night as they, as they did this, this time around, you can have a gimmick match on one night and the other night. Uh, To me, it worked really, really well. And having the Saturday night with my little girl and my wife, and then throughout the Saturday night, seeing the promotional packages readying you for the Sunday night show, it it was good to see my daughter basically getting fired up and getting excited about what was to come the following night. Yeah. You know, that, that I enjoy. Because sometimes, it gets late Sunday night on an ordinary pay-per-view. My my daughter is really excited about watching the wrestling. Um, a Saturday night for an AEW event, never a problem. She she's there. We've had that's her program. That's her show. That's never an issue. With a WWE pay-per-view, there tends to be that lull at a certain time in the evening where she's feeling tired. But this year we didn't have that because obviously her sleeping pattern was adjusted a touch with the two nights, but also because of the hype that she the hype that she'd seen herself on the Saturday night hyping the Sunday made her so excited about it. There was no way she was going to fall asleep. No way. She wasn't going to sit down and watch, watch the rest of the show. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then if you, if you take it back a couple of years before we had the, uh, the pandemic and then WWE kind of booking on the fly and getting two nights, you go back to, uh, WrestleMania 35, that including the pre-show was seven and a half hours. Yeah. In, in one sitting. Brutal. Um, can you imagine, like you said, your daughter sat there watching that really hard for for uh, the main event, but knowing that you've got 
six hours, six and a half hours of, of stuff to come before you get to that, you're going to be worn out uh, emotionally and she, she, she's going to be fast asleep. Well, yeah, I mean, you think that. about it, but, you know, WrestleMania 35, that's, she'd have just turned nine. Mm-hmm. So that year, obviously, she did stay out. She's, like, she's been into the wrestling as long as I can remember. Uh, and it's great watching it with her because, you know, she's forming her own opinions now. Don't get me wrong, quite a few of them I disagree with, but we won't get into that now. <laughs> she's very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, that that night it got to a stage where she she normally sits next to me and cuddles up to me and you know she has her little bag of crisps and sweets and cause we, we get like little treats in for them. we make a big deal out of it. it's a big family thing yeah. um and she has a little bottle of fizzy pop and whatnot that she's chosen from the shop and going down the shop to pick stuff is is a part of the day as well it's become this little tradition um it got to a stage where she took herself off to the other sofa and said can you wake me up when becky lynch comes out please and just fell asleep and wanted me to wake her up for the main event because it was too long a night. Now, I'm, that's, that's a nine-year-old who's desperate to see women's wrestling. You know, she's a nine-year-old girl, desperate to see women's wrestling, headline a pay-per-view. It's a big, big deal, you know. Uh, but it's understandable, her being... She's nine years old, for crying out loud. Me, I, I, at this stage, I'm in my very late 30s, and uh, I'm struggling as well. I'm like, street, my eyes are going. I'm sort of thinking, i got to be careful. I don't fall asleep because if I don't wake Charlie up, she's going to be pissed at me. You know, it's, it's, it is too long a night, totally. So the two nights, I think, really did work. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and imagine that all that, but you're in the stadium for that, yeah. for that seven and a half hour show. By yep. the time you get to the main event, you just want to go home. You just want to go to bed. You just want to. You you just don't have the energy or or the the excitement. And and I think that would that would make the main event kind of fall flat for me. Where if, if you had tickets for two separate nights, you you're fresh for both main events because you've only sat through a three hour show. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, mate, definitely. Yeah, it's it's an interesting week. I mean, the show in general. Um, we'll talk mainly about WrestleMania, I suppose, because NXT was a, a short period ago, and people, lots of people have covered that already. I guess we'll uh, we'll look I at mean, the WrestleMania we, weekend. We can touch upon the NXT. It was outstanding. Yeah, I, it, I, I thought it was brilliant. I love Walter. It was a return to form oh, for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, breaking that table with the chop. And then selling yeah. that that hand for the rest of the match when most wrestlers uh, they sell for a little while and then kind of forget they've got an injury. He sold they sold that that hand for the rest of the match. Brilliant! It was uh, an as, it was a, as good as we hoped it would be. Yeah, yeah, I, I I thought it was brilliant. Again, NXT it might be different now. It's on a Tuesday night and I'm starting work this weekend, so my my, my sort of. It's the tabs that signs me starting work this week. I haven't started as yet, but as we spoke about last week, I'm starting this new job. Um, only part time for now, but it's it's a start. I've not started it yet. I'm, I'm I'm going in on Wednesday, so the day this comes out, I guess. Um, in theory, that would take hours away from me being able to do what I want to do because I'm going to work. But it seems more like I've got a structure. So now I know. Thursday night, I'm watching Dynamite with Charlie when I get home from work. Uh, Wednesday night, I might put on NXT because that's on a Tuesday evening now through the nines. It's almost like I've got more of a structure and I might end up watching more of the weekly product than I did when I had more time on my hands in, in a sort of backwards way. Yeah, I mean, that actually really does make sense. It's it's it's, it's giving you like the, the timeline of like, I finished work at this time, so I'll jump on to this recording or I'll do this editing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose the, the structuring 
it kind of makes you use your time more efficiently. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So I, again, I, I don't watch masses of the weekly shows, uh, barring Dynamite. Now, NXT, I watched. I watched the Takeover, and I've, again, I've, I agree with you, Max. Absolutely fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. The 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 Walter Champa match, brilliant stuff. Um, Balor's match was good as well. I thought they told a really good story there about. Uh, cross and getting emotional and not being able to focus at times and, and so on there's sort of little subtleties in there um but cole and uh o'reilly for me was just that that was brilliant that, that's oh, the amount of near falls i witnessed that i thought was it where they got me it was a real testament to how good these guys were and 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 cal o'reilly comes out of that match looking like the the whitest of white meat baby faces mm-hmm yep which is a legitimate star. Yeah, they made a legitimate star in Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, and they need that in NXT, I think. They need the legitimate white meat baby face there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't see anyone who is that 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 role, I guess. You do have baby faces, don't get me wrong, but nobody who is that clean, definite white meat, mm-hmm. everyone should love him baby face, you know? Yeah, they've got a hell of a lot of really good heels, mm-hmm. uh, and they've got a hell of a lot of really good kind of... Uh, anti-heroes or kind of like tweeners but especially in the men's uh, division there's nobody who you could say yeah he's the he's the absolute fan favorite and i think that that now is very much carlo rally yeah yeah definitely definitely me uh wrestlemania itself then quickly the uh the two nights of that what were your thoughts my friend yeah going into it i mean it was a weird one. It really was. I'm normally, uh, for me, there's there's two kind of special um, days in in the in the the year. Uh, I don't care about Christmas that much. Birthdays absolutely don't bother me. It's transfer deadline day, and it's WrestleMania. Okay. And for this and for this year's WrestleMania, I f- I feel that it was the least interested I've ever ever been. Yeah, but I felt the same. It, it got to a point where I forgot that it was actually WrestleMania coming up, and it was really, really weird. I just, I just didn't feel the buzz for it. And then I watched the Hall of Fames, and uh, there was one specific uh, Hall of Fame speech that that really kind of stood out to me, and it was Molly Holly, uh, someone yeah. who I know has been a massive champion for, for women's wrestling. I mean, we've done a couple of episodes on Badlands where we've had a, a lot of folks on, on Molly Holly and what she's uh, th- what she's done for the wrestling business, someone who, who really doesn't get the praise that she that she should in a time when wrestling for women was all about tits and ass. She was one of the very few championing uh, actual wrestling to the point where uh, to get the WrestleMania women's title match on the line, uh, um, I think it was WrestleMania, it might have been 18, might have been actually 19, I can't remember which one now, uh, but she actually had to volunteer to shave her head to get yes. that match on, on the pay-per-view, which it's that's that's absolutely shocking and then you hear stories afterwards of being uh sasha banks has said she had a 20 minute conversation uh with molly holly when she was a kid and that inspired her to be a wrestler you you hear stories of her uh going and and paying for beth phoenix's um training without beth even knowing um because she saw the passion in beth phoenix and she knew that she wanted to be a wrestler um, so I've always really um, kind of had a lot of respect for Molly Holly, but 
this was her time to shine. This was her getting that that respect that she definitely was due. And you know what she did with her time? She gave shout-outs to all the people in the back who would never, ever be mentioned by anyone. Yeah. Like the people who, who helped with uh, setting up the ring, the people, the, the 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 logistics, the people who drive the trucks, the the, the those little people that, that nobody knows, but without them, the show just doesn't happen. Yeah, and exactly. it just it just spoke to me that that yeah, this is this is what I love about this sport uh, entertainment. Uh, this is what I love about it. It's, it's the fact that it's it just calls out to you, and, and there's there's so much, there's so many moving parts for you to just watch that two hour show or that uh, that three hour pay per view, and all that work has to go go in behind it. And they do all that for our entertainment. And that really kind of like got me hyped up. And I was like, I had pins and needles and I was like, it's fucking WrestleMania week. I actually can't wait for it now. And so I've got to thank Molly Holly for that, that she dragged me out of like this this weird funk I was in for WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Hall of Fame is is one of my favorite times of WrestleMania week. I, I look forward to it loads, like seeing the old guys come back and the old girls come back, I suppose, making their speeches. I, I love all that. Obviously, this time around, it's a bit different in the Thunderdome and so on. Um, I think the 2021 class... Obviously, there's two classes going in. The 2021 class, to me, was a little bit on the weaker side, but they can't always be as stellar as previous years, of course. Kane going in is superb, though. I'm a big fan of that. I mean, I I think it was meant to be Batista headlining, um, Mm. but he had a movie uh, being filmed, so he couldn't couldn't show up, and he he wanted to be someone who who you didn't just put a a virtual video up. He wanted to be a part of it, so I think he'll he got delayed till maybe next year. But yeah, Kane going in, RVD going in. Um, it, it aged me a little bit because these are people who I've seen from the beginnings yeah. of their careers, <laughs> and now they're going in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, yeah, is it time for me to like bow out of watching wrestling? <laughs> oh hell no, mate! Hell no, <laughs> definitely not, definitely not. I, I enjoyed WrestleMania overall. It was there was some. I wouldn't even say there were some bad moments. There were some, I suppose, mediocre moments, some moments that didn't quite resonate with me. But then there were other moments that I thought were fantastic. And you, you look over the, the two nights and how long these shows were combined. I mean, not individually, because I think individually, time-wise, they got it virtually spot on for us in the UK. Mm-hmm. I think combined, the amount of wrestling, the amount of matches and so on, they, the shows flowed very well. They were timed very well. The matches entertained me on, on the whole. Um, you had some great wrestling in the likes of you know Cesaro Rollins. I thought was superb. Uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. I was looking forward to that, and it, it didn't fail to deliver. Um, and then you had, I suppose, the more kooky WWE style stuff of the Fiend, which again I didn't mind. That 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 was intriguing to me. It's maybe not something I'd want to see on a wrestling show all the time, but it kept my attention. It makes me want to watch Raw, um, which is I suppose the purpose. My little girl was fascinated by what was going on. So I, I think overall WrestleMania this year w- was, was a hit. I mean, the triple threat I thought was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't not agree with you. I, it, you absolutely make all the sense as well. For me, um, thinking about it after, um, um, a, a night sleep, I think this may go down as, as for me, a, a top 10 WrestleMania. Uh, I think there was enough on the show that really stood out. There was enough kind of 
WrestleMania moments because that's what it's about. The the actual wrestling sometimes is very secondary. It's about those standout moments like you all oh, you remember this from this WrestleMania. Yeah. You remember this from this and I think there was enough uh, special moments over the two nights that that really um they'll stay with you for a long, long time. Uh and then you couple that with some amazing matches. I mean Bianca versus Sasha knocked it out of the park, the pressure on those two uh, ladies' heads to be the first two black wrestlers, female wrestlers, to be headlining the biggest wrestling show on, on the on the planet, That could they could have easily panicked and shit the bed, but they knocked it out of the park and told a brilliant story. Uh, the same with the main event on the, on the, on the second night. It was just perfectly told. Um, and for, for me, I'm, I think I'm more... I'm more glad about it because I I got like six and one for my predictions on both nights, so I'm a, I'm an amazing booker. But yeah, for me overall, <laughs> um, the the show the shows were top quality. I think if I were to have a gun to me, I think I preferred night one um, because I felt it flawed uh, a little better. Um, whereas um, for me, night two kind of struggled to to uh, kick off. Uh, I think the the way that they they went with the two opening matches, it it just didn't really work for me uh, to get me as hyped up as night one did. But once we got over that like, hump, uh, I thought it was a, a an outstanding show in its own right. So I thought this year's WrestleMania is going to go down as as one of the best we've had. Certainly the best uh, yeah. we've had in this this pandemic era. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I think, you know, night one, yeah, for me, a smidge better than night two. I think it closed fantastically, night <laughs> two, with the triple threat. That was probably my... It's difficult to say, I suppose, pinpointing one match, but if I had to pick one as my favourite for the whole weekend, it'd be really difficult for me to choose something above the triple threat because I enjoyed it that much. It's three guys who I really enjoy watching. Um, Rollins Cesaro was superb as well but I mean ultimately night two ended really strong with that awesome triple threat but yeah I think I agree Max night one maybe a smidge better because like as you as you explained the way it flowed and everything was just was just great I, yeah overall mate really really good Wrestlemania I, I was really I was happier this year staying up to watch it than I was in previous years mm-hmm. and, and for me one thing about Wrestlemania that I really like is when you get that one breakout star, that one person who takes the ball and runs with it, and then you get a, a superstar for, for for years to come. And this WrestleMania has actually provided us with, I'd say, three. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got Bianca. Yes. She she knocked it out of the park, and she looked legitimate as a world champion. But then you've got a surprising one in Cesaro, because the, the wrestling community loves Cesaro, but he's never had that that breakout singles match. He's always looked really good, but he's never had that match where you think, God damn, he he, he looks like the main event deal. And I think yeah, I this match with Seth Rollins has put him there. I mean, we all clamoured, well, we all want, we want uh, Cesaro as world champion. I get that, but he's never, he's never been in that position where you would legitimately think he would be a world champion. Now, I can see that happening in the, in the near future. And then you look at, Damien Priest, the rub that that guy got from the Miz and Morrison and Bad Bunny, he again looks like he could go straight into a main event uh, title scene and and wouldn't look out of place. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got a great look. He's got the height. He can obviously <laughs> move in the ring very, very well. Um, and on that note as well, Miz and Morrison, how great were they? You know, um, Bad Bunny, absolutely fantastic. He just blew my mind how good this guy was. And I, I was really, really happy to see a celebrity be that good and that committed and the stories yes. about him training as much. and Absolutely fantastic. But you've got to remember, Miz and Morrison worked so hard to make the guy look good as well. I mean, all four. In the, it's so easy to point the finger at Bad Bunny and say, yeah, well done. And then it's so easy to point the finger at Miz and Morrison and say they did so much to make him look good. And then Damien Priest in the middle kind of looking like this this huge future star. It's easy to point the fingers at separate units. But I want to say to all four of those guys, working together, that all four of them put on such a fantastic performance together. To me, it's difficult to break off individual parts, as some other people on Twitter and online have. To me, that the four of them just put on such an incredible performance that was way better i think than anyone had any right to expect it to be yeah it it was one of those matches that it was the 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 hall was was greater than the sum of its parts i think that uh, if you didn't have the miz in that it wouldn't have worked if you didn't have morrison in it it wouldn't have worked you needed all four of those uh doing their job to the absolute best of their abilities and it it, it knocked out the park and we um we're blessed to have the Miz uh, as a wrestler in this generation. Yeah. Um, he's, he's such a company man. This is a, a guy whose dream was always to be a wrestler, went through all the, the reality stuff, and he's, he's gone from being hated to being the, the, the go-to guy. If you want a ring general, if you want to help uh, get someone over the top and, 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 uh, push him into the main event scene. Miz is your guy. I mean, it was, it was, this has gone from being world champion four weeks ago to, to jobbing for a, a celebrity and an up and comer. And he, he did it so brilliantly. Um, I, I think once he's one of those generational talents that once he's gone, we'll, we'll miss him. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. And I don't think it will be, a huge amount of time until maybe he is sort of reducing what he's doing a touch, maybe a few years, because he's got the reality TV thing now. He, he's an absolute star, isn't he? You look at the guy who's a star. His wife is absolutely stunning. She looks fantastic on the camera as well. They've got the reality TV show. They're getting a lot more attention from, I suppose, for want of a better term, mainstream outlets. Is going to be going down a similar road, I think, to guys before him, where he's taking less bumps and making more appearances, potentially. Yeah, and and he would absolutely deserve all that. And yes. if you if you are um, uh, a wrestler, a young wrestler training, and it's your goal to be in the WWE, you can't go much further uh, than looking at the Miz and how he approached it uh, and and his style, um, and you walk off you walk off far wrong. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Aye, right. Um... Obviously, we've got two main topics we're supposed to be discussing today. Sort of nearly half an hour into the record. We've not touched on either yet. <laughs> I think this might be a bit of a long one, Mags. This might be a long one. Um, <laughs> obviously, we've got your embarrassing work stories, which is going to be a bit of a giggle to go through. of The ones I've read, the ones I've received, and, and the ones that have come into the show. Brilliant stuff. Thank you again to everyone for, for sending those in. They're going to be good fun to look through shortly. And we've got our main topic, which was uh, the main event of Four Brawl 1997. 
the um, War Games match between the NWO and the Four Horsemen. Um, Mags's selection winning again. Come on, wrestling Twitter, stop doing me dirty like this. But yeah, Mags's selection winning yet again. Um, those those two things uh, we'll, we'll get to shortly. But there is something I want to sort of address to uh, to a degree, I suppose. And I'll be I'll be straight up honest with everyone now. I'll be very transparent and clear. Um, I've got a few things on my mind that I feel I have to say. But I don't exactly know how it's going to come out. I don't exactly know how it's going to um, sort of come across. I don't know exactly what words I'm going to be using. I've just got a few things in my head I need to I need to express that frustrated me over this last weekend. So with that in mind, in case it's not as tame or as sensible or as um, level-headed as I would hope I would normally portray myself, I want to say if I say anything rude, anything disrespectful, anything that upsets people and so on these are not the thoughts of chain wrestling these are not the thoughts of mags and these are not the thoughts of visionaries global media unless of course mags jumps in and agrees with me but because then i don't really know where i'm going to go with this but there's a few things i've got i, I there's a lot that i popcorn. see hey let me pull up some popcorn <laughs> there's a lot of things i see online and wrestling twitter and and people that frustrates me and there's so much of it i can just skim past not give a not give a crap about um you can mute people of course you can block people of course but it just seems like this this build-up this week getting into this weekend and wrestlemania itself the idiot's been out in force and i'm i'm quite disappointed i think because on twofold really um first of all before we go too far into it i'm not going to name names because i don't want to a embarrass anyone directly or b um give these people airtime on our show max because i don't think they fucking deserve it okay um secondly there may be people that we actually get along with that i don't want to cause an issue with i'll I'll just say if anything i'm about to say um what's the saying go how's the saying go if the shoe fits is that correct if the shoe fits maybe take on board and have a little bit of a a little bit of a think about what you're what you're putting out there okay um I have a real issue with people online slagging off what other people like. Now, this is an ongoing thing. This is an ongoing issue. The whole AEW, WWE, NXT battles back and forth. It's pathetic, and most of the time I can just ignore it. But going into WrestleMania, we had some absolute bloody morons spouting nonsense. Now, freedom of speech is a wonderful thing. People can say whatever they like. To a degree, of course, because you've got to be, you know, you can't be rude or you're racist, sexist, and so and, and rightfully so. But freedom of speech is a wonderful thing. Putting put forward an opinion isn't it? Is a wonderful thing that in in the countries that well, Mags and I live in, and, and a lot of our listeners live in, is, is hugely important. There are certain people who don't have that freedom of speech, and it's it's horrific for them. So the fact that we have that where we live is is awesome. But having freedom of speech and just saying how you feel is one thing. Having freedom of speech and jumping on somebody else's feelings or somebody else's opinions or somebody else's points of view, that's not freedom of speech. That's not putting forward an opinion. That's not even trying to have a constructive discussion or construct. That's just being a fucking dickhead. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, to this, this, I've seen people this week making a big thing out of, I'm not watching WrestleMania. Okay, good for you. Fine. I mean, I laugh at these people, first of all, that they feel the need to put that out there on a medium for other people to see, like they're some kind of 
you know, Billy Big Balls, or oh, look at me, look how fucking cool I am. I'm not watching what's for me. Eh? For clout. Yeah. That's what that's yeah. about. It's about uh, getting other people to commend you for doing it. Yeah. If you're not going to watch it, don't watch it. Not, not everything needs to be told to the world. I'm one of the cool kids. I, I'm too yeah. cool for WrestleMania. You know, all right, well, good luck to you. You know, same, whatever. I'm, I don't watch WWE, but I'm watching WrestleMania. That's my choice. You can have your choice. That's absolutely fine. The fact that you need to put it out there is pathetic, but whatever. Up to you, your freedom of speech, your right to put out a tweet, sound. But then when you get people who, and some of these people online are quite young, I don't know if they're particularly sensitive. I don't know them, but they pop up on my timeline from time to time. And I see people saying, oh, what are your predictions for night one? Or what are your predictions for night two? Or what's everyone, how does everyone think WrestleMania is going to go? You know, and these are people in their profile pictures. They look, I don't know, 16, 17, whatever. I don't know. I, I'm not very good at guessing it, but they're young kids. And they're, they're excited about their wrestling. They're, they're looking forward to their show. You know, similar to my 11 year old daughter. Obviously she hasn't got Twitter, but she's excited about watching her wrestling. And, and you have people saying, oh, what are your predictions for WrestleMania? And they want to engage in a conversation with like-minded people. Like, yeah. And you've got fucking pathetic little pimple-dick poser bastards responding with, my predictions for WrestleMania, disappointment, is one tweet I actually read. And it's like, why are you doing that? Why do you feel the need to comment on that young girl or that young lad's post just to be an absolute pimple-dick piece of shit? Does it make you feel big and tough and hard? To shoot down what they're looking forward to. I did you know? delete the tweet afterwards, though. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody idiot. <laughs> you know, and that's, not the, that's not the end of it. There's people out there saying, oh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, The Fiend versus Randy Orton. I'm really invested in this storyline. Fantastic stuff. If, that, if, if you're getting a kick out of that storyline, brilliant. Good for you. Enjoy what you're watching. You know, there should be some, there's so much wrestling out there. There should be enough out there for everybody to enjoy. You know, you don't have to like it all. If everyone was the same, the world would be incredibly boring. But then you've got people saying, oh, I'm really looking forward to, the, to seeing The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. And the, I suppose the kind of gooky, kooky WWE cartoony kind of stuff, I guess, the horror show stuff. And then you've got people jumping on their tweets going, you're pathetic. That's not real wrestling. What do you like that for? But fuck you. You know, f- fuck you. That's, why are you picking on these people? Why are you going out of your way to shoot down their excitement? Why are you going out of your way to burst their bubble for something they're looking forward to watching? There's absolutely no need. These sad little pimple dick bitches in their freaking skinny jeans and floppy fringes sat in their mum's fucking spare room behind their keyboards, that their laptops, their phones, whatever, thinking, oh, what can I do today? I know, I'm not watching WWE. I'm going to go off and watch fucking mini wiener wrestling that you know there's only three fans but it's so cool because it's so underground you're a sad sack if you watch new japan now that's not that's not that's not fun anymore that's not cool anymore that's too mainstream wwe what you watching that for look at it they got a cartoon zombie i'm off to watch this company that no one's ever heard of before because i'm I'm one of the really cool kids and then when that company gets to having 12 fans instead of three oh i ain't watching that no more that's too mainstream fucking posers mate absolutely pathetic posers let people enjoy what they want to enjoy mm-hmm. what is wrong with the world why are people like this <sighs> is is that you is that the end of your rant nearly <laughs> <laughs> i mean because i've got i have got rebuttals uh but i'll i'll, I'll let you finish before i jump in it, it, they're, they're just pathetic they're, just, they're the same sort of people who go 
oh yeah i liked that band back before they were famous now they're too mainstream mm-hmm. it's fucking pathetic like let people like what they like if they don't like what you like sound whatever you can turn to them and say, have you looked at this? You may enjoy this. That's, that's being nice. That's offering a suggestion to a young wrestling fan who may not have had their eyes opened to other products as yet. But turning around and saying, what are you interested in that for? That's shite. That's the kind of crap I got when I was 11, 12 years old that made me hide the fact I was a wrestling fan growing up. I hid that I was a wrestling fan for years because I thought I was going to get laughed at and picked on. And I know that's not a story just individual to me. I've spoken to plenty of people who have that same feeling. Now, wrestling is more, in my opinion, open-minded with the internet and so on. So many people out there talking about it. So why are people in our own community being fucking pimple-dick losers to other people in our own community? You know, just over-opinionated jackasses. You know, I mean... I keep saying pimple dick. The reason I'm saying pimple dick is that's exactly what they are. They got fucking dicks so small, they're the size of a zit, they're the size of a spot. And I'll tell you what, the reason it's pimple dick is because they're a little bit sensitive, squeeze them too hard, it goes off in your hand. Like they haven't been sexually touched properly by anyone else ever. That's how sad you Okay, that's the similarities there. You know, oh, WrestleMania predictions are going to, you know, you're in for disappointment. Fuck you. WrestleMania was a great show. If you didn't watch it because you're too fucking cool, you know, you made a bad decision there. But ultimately, I can understand why you've made a bad decision. Because sat in that fucking spare room, staring at your phone and your laptop, the only real big decision you've had to make in your life is when your mum shouts up the stairs asking if you want spaghetti hoops or baked beans on your baked potato. That's the biggest decision you've had to fucking make. Leave other people alone. Leave these young kids who want to watch wrestling and they're online alone. You sad, pathetic, pimple dick bastards. Now what are you done? I think so. I <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I wasn't expecting to rant as bad as that. I feel quite, I feel, I feel cleansed. I feel, I feel good now. Should we just, I mean, well, I think I'm done. You, okay. Speak yeah. to you next week, Max. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you need, you need to have a rant like that because, um, I agree with a hell of a lot of your points. Um, just before, um, uh, WrestleMania week, I was getting so, uh, perplexed with, um, with wrestling social media that I'm, I've, I was the closest I've been to to just packing in and, and and giving it up, and I can see why people do. Um, the thing with with social media and, and especially the the weird thing in in wrestling social media is it provides you one the anonymity to be a dickhead, which I don't like, uh, and and that's why. <clears throat> I, I mean, I know my my um, my Twitter handle is is what it is because that's me. That's my real name. That's my real name and my real initials. I'm not portraying a character. And I think that the, the issue is with uh, a lot of people on on uh, wrestling Twitter, especially, is they think they're a character. They think that they're a, uh, they're a heel. They think they, that uh, the person who they are online is totally different to the person that they are in real life and essentially it is because they're Billy Big Mouth on, on land but you, you'd knock them over with a feather in, in real life I mean I can think of one in particular that really fits that description and mm. I, you know who more I'm getting than, at more than one there's, mm. there's, there's, there's loads of them uh, and then another thing that wrestling uh, social media gives you is the, the chance to be in these clicks these little kind of echo chambers where you put something out there and all of a sudden people are liking it and agreeing it. You get that sense of, 
yeah, what I said is profound. What I've what I've done it it means something. People agree with me, and you get that that confidence from it, that kind of instant gratification. So when you're you're slagging off wrestling product A and you are lacking wrestling product B and everyone's like, yeah, you're cool, you're one of us, you like this product, fuck that other product, you, you, you're in with a cool gang then, so you can then slag off everyone who, who doesn't like that uh, because you've always got these people here to, to have your back. And I don't, I hate that. I am critical about a lot of wrestling, but I will also shout out from the, the rooftop stuff that I enjoy. Yeah. Now, you are a massive AEW fan. I, I too, um, I'm a, a, an AEW fan. But we can both say, yeah, that this didn't hit the mark with us. Or mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand that. And we can talk about it and we would never... Um, we would never fall out of it because it's your opinion versus my opinion. Yeah, uh, exactly. We can both see the same thing and, and have two totally different viewpoints. The thing with wrestling social media is um, a lot of people don't have that. If you don't 100% like something, you you are the mortal enemy and people hate you for it. I mean, I've been blocked for by probably dozens of people because I've said something critical about their wrestling favorite. And and that's the issue that you can't have these, uh, these open-minded conversations or debates with a lot of people, because if you are not a hundred percent in their, in, in their mindset, you, you, the, nothing that you say is worth of any merit to them. So that is uh, something that really pisses me off about wrestling Twitter. And I've had some incidents. Well, no, not I wouldn't say incidents, but whilst watching WrestleMania this this uh this 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 year, this there's something that I've always known happens, but it, it's uh it's really stood out for me uh, whilst watching. It's the hate tweeting. It's watching a product just to shit on it online. Yeah, I don't get it, mate. I don't understand. Yeah, and. I mean, like I'm going to be like you. I'm not going to name names um, because one of the people I know full well uh, has said that he's that they've cancelled their uh, WWE Network subscription multiple times. Uh, they'll go on many, many people's posts uh, who are talking about WWE and say, "Yeah, I don't watch it, so I don't know what's going on." Mm-hmm. But when it comes to watching events, suddenly they are watching it, so. One, they've either bullshitted about um, cancelling their subscription to be one of the cool kids because there's always times when it's hashtag cancel WWE uh, and you, you're in that cool little gang. Or two, they, they've got an illegal stream to watch a programme that they don't like just so they can go and shit on it to be cool on Twitter. And, and this person gets very little interaction. Uh, their tweets are... Um, and and that's not me trying to sound cool because I get five or six people liking my tweets. It, that it doesn't bother me. I, I'll put stuff out there that nobody talks about and nobody gets no interaction because it's just me. But this person gets very very little interaction, even when he's like replying to fairly big people. And it it's always hate tweeting about WWE, and I, I just got to the point where I'd had enough, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Please give it a rest. Why are you putting yourself through watching this if you don't like it? It's not aimed at you. 
yeah. it's, it, this 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 match or this product is not aimed at your demographic. You don't like it. You've said multiple times you don't like it. Why why sit there and hate something just to to look cool to nobody on Twitter to a bunch of nobodies? Because essentially that's what the majority of wrestling Twitter are. We're a bunch of wrestling uh, fans who were, were nobody's in the grand scheme of things. I'm not I'm not like say like downgrading everyone to say that they lose or anything like that. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things we're just a bunch of we're just a bunch of fans. Yeah, exactly. So you you're not getting any lasting clout from it from slagging off WrestleMania. Just don't watch it. Go and put on another AEW pay-per-view. Shout out about that. Go and watch DDT. Go and watch Chocobo Pro. Go and watch Chikara. Don't sit and hate watch something just so you can get a little bit of interaction on on Twitter because essentially it's meaningless. You're putting yourself through watching seven hours of something you detest when you could have used that seven hours to build a shed, cut your grass watch a wrestling show that you actually enjoyed, talk about that, get more people involved in that by having a, a conversation about it. I just don't get the the shitting on something because you don't enjoy it. It, it baffles me. It absolutely yeah. baffles me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's, that's the thing as well. It, everyone has different tastes, as I said. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going on this this rant, and th- I didn't get fired up here because it was criticising WWE. I no. don't watch a great deal of WWE. I've said time and time again on this show and on my other show that I don't watch the weekly product. I watch mm-hmm. bits and bobs online. I will go back and watch things if there's a bit of a buzz about it. Um, I will try and watch the pay-per-views um, and WrestleMania and the Rumble. I will stay up for and watch live because that's what I do with my wife and my youngest. Yeah. However, I, I, again, I think I think of my kids. My, my eldest daughter, she's seventeen. All she knows is WWE. Now she's not a huge wrestling fan, but all she knows is WWE. And her favourites, for ever since she was very little, were the Bellas. The Bellas as two two women in prominent positions who dressed a certain way, had a certain style resonated with my little girl and she thought they were fantastic and she's watched total bellas total divas all that sort of stuff that's i mean i, I don't i'm not a fan of the bellas because uh, i'm a fan of wrestling wrestling as opposed to what the bellas bring to the product but i'm not a fan of reality tv that's not for me but ultimately that's the situation my daughter thought they were wonderful and still thinks they're wonderful as, as you know max you've exchanged a tweet or two with her about that now she's 17 years of age she puts a tweet out there saying all oh, the bellas going in the hall of fame and these little fucking pimple dicks this didn't happen but this is a perfect example of the yeah, situation we're talking about yeah. yeah could have jumped on there 17 years of age and it's like what are you talking about the bellas for that's that's this that's that that's quite there fuck you man leave them alone let her like what she likes if you don't like it sound look away that's the way it is. I don't like Coronation Street. I won't begrudge anybody else watching and enjoying Coronation Street. I don't <laughs> get. I don't get why it's so specific to uh, to wrestling that you're not allowed to be a wrestling fan and enjoy a certain product. If you enjoy New Japan, good for you. If yeah. you enjoy progress good for you if you enjoy wwe aw um triple a cmll if you enjoy watching two blocks at your at your local uh, sports hall wrestling good for you tell the world about it but if you hate it don't watch it because it's clearly not a product aimed at you exactly 
Exactly. Oh, what something else? I mean, you get. I mean, you even get grief about saying that because people people come on and say, "Yeah, but I, I've uh, I've been a lifelong ex. Well, I'm going to go a lifelong WWE fan. Yeah, you. That's that's brilliant. But it's the business has changed. The the demographic that they're going for has changed. You may be a lifelong EastEnders fan, but you might not like this EastEnders compared to EastEnders from the early 90s. It's things change. You don't have to be, just because you're a fan from the beginning, doesn't mean you have to be a fan all the way through the rest of your life. If the product changes and you don't like it, be a fan of something else. Use your time to enjoy something else. I I just don't understand people's mindsets where they will hate something but still watch it over and over again and putting forward the excuse of well i'm a i'm a wrestling journalist or i'm a wrestling analyst or i've got my (laughs) brand to think of oh fuck off mate (laughs) you know come on you teeny peckered little shitbag it's pathetic and there's one more thing i want to quickly cover max before we get onto something a bit more chirpy okay and this does directly come from twitter and again (laughs) i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna name the individual but i'm fairly certain people can uh, would have seen these tweets um potentially have interacted with these or or may even know who i'm talking about um there's one individual who i had four or five tweets not me before five tweets sort of pop up um whether that whether i'd have to check if i'm following them if i am that's going to change very soon because this guy's a proper fucking pimple dick uh, but <laughs> discussing wwe in a very negative manner again no need don't like it don't watch signed okay however watching it and making not just comments of this is bad this is crap this is rubbish but being quite offensive okay this individual um, put a tweet out at one stage in the discussion of what was the favourite match for night one of WrestleMania. Resp- they're responding to this tweet that was put out there, and they're saying that the best match wasn't actually Banks versus Belair. People left the show early during that match, which, if that's true, that's incredibly disrespectful. That shouldn't have happened, but ultimately, whatever. Um, and then accuses the WWE and fans of uh, virtue signalling. Oh, we need to vote for this match to be the best of night one because it's two women in in the main event. That's disgusting. That is shocking. You know, this this individual followed this up with. Um, he responded to a wrestler, somebody saying this was the best main event that they've ever seen. He responded to that wrestler's tweet saying, here's what you need to understand about this person. He's a pro wrestler who knows this is a lie. He couldn't. He absolutely doesn't care because it's propaganda advancing the agenda of two black women in the main event of WrestleMania night one. They were always going to say it was great. It's, it's the leaps. It's the stretches that you had to have had that mindset beforehand to make that connection. It gets a bit worse, mate. I ain't finished yet. Um, He has a little dig at Kevin Owens saying, nice to see Kevin Owens is in WrestleMania shape. A huge gut, flabby arms, wearing a t-shirt and gym shorts. So not only is is this individual making assumptions about WWE's intentions with putting two incredibly talented, incredibly over and skillful performers, regardless of race and gender, at the top of their card, he's now body shaming another human being. That's disgusting. I'm a fat bloke. I make jokes about me being fat. Other people point out I'm fat. It can hurt my feelings. 
Yeah, you know, it's not a nice thing to do. And, and that's that's the the point of the tweets, though. The whole point of the tweets is to be edgy, is to be confrontational, because that person is being a character or being a, a heel, when mm-hmm. really, essentially, they're being a dick to yeah. anonymous people on Twitter. And the last one, um, it was in response to somebody sharing a picture of wrestling gear with the hashtags of pan pride, uh, hashtag pansexual. Um, their wrestling gear is certain colors that are associated with, um, I suppose, with the LGBT movement and so on. If I've got the initials to that wrong, I apologize. I always get that jumbled up. <laughs> but th- that, that sort of that sort of thing, they're very proud of their sexuality, very proud of their situation and, and yeah. using these hashtags, which is fantastic thing. Good luck to them. I, I've got, I've got friends who are gay. I've got friends who are pansexual. I've got family members, who, but whatever. I don't give a shit. If you love, if you love boys, girls, I couldn't give a rat's ass as long as you're happy. Yeah. And that's what the, the, the world I want to bring my kids up in. Correct. Okay. Correct. This individual, <sighs> Used has, has quoted this tweet and said, remember when pro wrestling used to be about pro wrestling? It's now an opportunity to promote things like your sexual preference. The woke fan base loves it. The more liberal, non-white, and LGBT, the better. Now, in my mind, if pro wrestling is being used to promote people's sexual preferences, people, people's lifestyle lifestyles people's just how how different different people from all around the world can enjoy pro wrestling together because whereas yes we may be different in a way we are all the fucking same it doesn't matter what color you are what race you are where you're from what you sound like how big tall fat slim you are you could be black white yellow fucking purple for all i care you know you could fancy boys fancy girls fancy both fancy neither i don't care mm-hmm. okay that's the that's the world as it, as it should be in my opinion a lot of people will disagree and i'll be honest with you those people are fucking wrong i don't want them listening to my show fuck you but however that's the way my mindset is that's the world i want my kids to be brought up in to know as long as they're happy that's all that matters they shouldn't mm-hmm. be judged and you've got this fucking pimpled it jackass saying stuff like that on a medium on a forum an open forum where and, and responding to somebody using those hashtags who's obviously proud of their life and, and who they are. What the fuck, mate? Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how you can have that much hate um, for, for people that you don't know, for people whose lifestyles have no effect on you whatsoever. It, it, it beggars belief. And, it, and they're talking about uh, wrestling having an agenda, uh, having uh, promoting sexuality and colour and race and religion and all that. Have they not watched wrestling? Because that's what wrestling has done for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. It's, wrestling has always been a window into society. It, that's where it draws its storylines from. That's where it draws the, the, the fans in because you can link wrestling to things that happen in real life. That's the whole ethos behind wrestling. It's always going to be the snapshot of society. And the fact that gay people, the fact that pans people, the fact that black, white, 
any religion, any country can enjoy wrestling and be a wrestler and take part in something that they enjoy. Who the fuck are you to say what wrestling is? It's for everybody. You have you you do not set the rules on what wrestling can be about, what wrestling is about, who can enjoy what wrestling, who doesn't enjoy wrestling. It you you are just a fan. Well, essentially, if you've got this man you're not a fan. You're a fucking moron. Yeah, but exactly. You you do not dictate to any other person what they can enjoy about wrestling, and it links back to what we were talking, what the rant was essentially about. It's about gatekeeping. It's about telling people what what they can can and can't watch in wrestling. It's not fucking up to you. It's not up to me. It's not up to Simon. If you want to watch a certain part of wrestling, that is on you. Good for you. Enjoy it. I hope you love it because the more wrestling fans that are out there and loving wrestling, the better it is. We are um, such a small community, such a derided community in, in the rest of the entertainment world because of bullshit like this. We, we are so eager to eat our own that we, can't, we will never be mainstream again because as soon as we are, we have people shitting on it. Yep, exactly, mate, exactly. <sighs> Absolutely disgusting, horrible attitude. And, you know, in fact, fuck it. I'm going to name him. Brad Shepard, you're a piece of shit. You're a pimple dick, baby face bitch boy. And I'll tell you what now, okay? Anyone listening to this show, chain wrestling is for everybody. Chain wrestling is for everybody. Except Brad Shepard. Except for Brad Shepard, yeah. Chain wrestling is for everybody. Again, any colour, race, size, sexuality, whatever. Come one, come all. Listen to me and Mags talk bullshit. Listen to me and Mags agree, disagree. Vote for who you like, but sometimes it would be nice if you voted more often for me. But vote for who you like, okay? You know, chain wrestling is for everybody. Brad Shepard, fuck you. And anyone listening who agrees with Brad Shepard's viewpoint, fuck you too. Press stop, unsubscribe, unfollow us on Twitter. We don't want you. What I'll do now, Mags, I expect I'll uh, play a bit of nice happy music and get... Benny the voiceover guy to put a little joke in there or something to lighten the air. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I agree with you. I mean, you can. I, I have no problem with people being critical of stuff that they, they don't get. It, it makes sense. That's the whole point of, of wrestling. Uh, and to coin a phrase uh, by uh, our good friend, uh, you to T Rob, it's wrestling is a buffet. You don't go to a buffet and you enjoy every single part unless you're, you're either me or Dan Griffin. Um, <laughs> but it, it's there. There's something for everybody. And just because people don't like what you like doesn't mean that they're not wrestling fans. It just means that they like a different kind of wrestling. And, yeah, I, I didn't know your rant was about Brad Shepard. He's, he's not someone who's ever on my radar, but... I, he's he's been a dick for a long, long time. Yeah, totally. We need to move on, Mags, because we've been on this for an hour and I, I'm not <laughs> going, I, I, I've exhausted myself. I need to sleep. I need a bit of a kip. <laughs> um, we will get to Twitter about something more positive, my friend, shall we, if that is okay with you? Mm-hmm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. This week we asked for the embarrassing work stories from yourselves due to 
was it Mandy Rose out of the two who who had a little slip on the entrance ramp at WrestleMania, wasn't it? Yes, she did, and yeah. it was memed instantly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a fair play. She took it brilliantly. She had a good laugh about it. She tweeted the following day, "My butt hurts," which tickled me a little bit. You know, she did really, really well because ultimately, what can you do? You got to laugh about it. It's an embarrassing little little venture when she's at work. It, these things happen. It just so happens that when she's at work, it's in front of millions of people. <laughs> yeah. And and it even got a rise from uh, Tony Khan, uh, who he he said when when we but I, th- I think he sometimes it, it's hard to kind of gauge Tony Khan's mind uh, whether he's having a, a, a dig or whether he's actually being serious. But he mentioned about uh, when we had rain, um, we we put carpet down, and and you'd think a company like the size of WWE would have would have instantly known that. And then you got the AEW kind of a uh, sicker fans coming out. Oh, Tony, it's such an inspired message. Uh, yeah, you, 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 you're so wise. You, uh, you clever you, git. Yeah, you're, you're like a, a god amongst wrestling. And then you obviously you get the the opposite end of the spectrum, the WWE fans uh, or the the the, the hardened WWE fans like absolutely um, shitting on it, like uh, really like slagging. You can't not have a dig, Tony. It always has to be a competition. Um, Jesus, both ends of that spectrum need to give it a rest. First of all, to the AEW fans, he's not going to suck your dick. And why? <laughs> why? No, it, it's serious though. I mean, you, there's a there's a, a podcast out there, a really kind of a, a big podcast you know, I was seeing called Mister Warren Hayes. Uh, absolutely yep. love the guy, and he's got like this mantra about do not simp for these big companies because essentially to you, uh, you you are a commodity to them. They want to extract money out of you. Uh, now, a lot of companies, uh, AEW, WWE, will they'll they'll be nastier. They'll they'll treat you like friends because they want you to come in. They want you to in, enjoy their product, and essentially, they want you to spend money on their product. Um, but you get this group of of uh, hardened wrestling fans who think that that these people are their friends, that these people uh, are looking out for them specifically, and they're not. They just want you to shout out about the world how amazing their product is so they can get other people to come in and, and enjoy that product. And it, it, it baffles me how, um, how people are so ardent for a company. The company doesn't give a shit about you. They give a shit about your wallet. It's as simple and clear as that. And Tony Khan is not going to bother whether you praise him um, and you're not going to get any special treatment from him. He's, he's just wanted you to kind of like signal boost his, 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 his tweets. Yeah, it was really, really weird. I mean, he had no reason to, to even jump on that conversation, but no. he did. And then he got 10, <laughs> 15,000 other people absolutely licking his arsehole. It's a strange world, mate. It's a strange it world. Is. It re- it's, I, don't, I don't think I fit into this wrestling um, Twitter sphere anymore. I think it's, it's kind of started to pass me by because it's got so clicky and it's got to the point where... I mean, we were you we were talking earlier about uh, like little kids uh, uh, and the, the profile pictures... Uh, and and they they're talking about wrestling and slagging off each other others wrestling. I've been, I wander through my timeline and I see eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old people talking as if they know everything there is to know about wrestling. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I yeah. I am forty years old, 
41 years old, Jesus Christ. And I don't know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know a, a fraction of wrestling. I'm, we've discovered on this show stuff that I've never, never seen before, never mm-hmm. known before. I would never claim to be a wrestling expert, but you get these young kids who are wrestling experts, but yet they don't know anything that came before 2004. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't think I fit in anymore. And it's, it's kind of driving me to, to maybe not, not be involved as much. And I've, I've found myself coming away from, from um, Twitter. Well, maybe not so much coming away, but just not commenting and not, not putting tweets out anymore because, I just, I don't, I can't be asked with the argument. It, mm. it just, it gets draining. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I had that feeling very much about Facebook. I left Facebook, I, I'm still on Facebook. I, I, I'm in contact with family. I share uh, the chain wrestling information on the Facebook page there and my other show's information on the Facebook page there. But I predominantly stay away from Facebook for that same reason. Um, Twitter, the amount of times I half write out a tweet and then delete it and think it's just not worth the hassle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Anyway, Mags, let's get to something more positive, mate, shall we? <laughs> let's, let's, let's laugh. Let's have a good laugh at each other and our good friends on Twitter about um, embarrassing moments at work for various people in honour of the wonderful Mandy Rose who fell over at, at work. Just so happens that her work was WrestleMania. And she handled it fantastically. So well done, Mandy Rose. Brilliant stuff. Um, I'll just go as always. I'll just run through them uh, as they come off on the Twitter timeline and they came into us. We have Clive from the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. Hi, guys. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much again for reaching out. Uh, Clive says he once worked in a hotel and was tasked with taking room service breakfast to the Chuckle Brothers, which is just brilliant in its own. I could stop reading this story. It's such a good story. I could stop reading the tweet there. That's good enough for me. You know? <laughs> um, they were in separate rooms and he gave them the wrong breakfast each. And then he's put hashtag to me to you, which we would have been because they, they need to swap breakfasts. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> they were not happy about it as well. Oh, were they not? No, uh, I think um, I, I don't want to kind of like um, confirm something and it's not true, but I, I think it was, Paul Chuckle, who was very much not happy that he got uh, Barry's breakfast. I don't know if Barry mm-hmm. was that bothered. Cause, but, yeah, apparently one of them was a bit of a dick. I mean, Clive uh, may be able to confirm that. Yeah, Clive, let us know. Let us know. Right? Uh, either a tweet I, us I may have added that bit. I totally, for, uh, that I might be talking about as something totally else, but I'm sure when uh, he, he mentioned the story that, that one of them was a bit of a dick. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, like Clive, let us know, mate, whether you uh, uh, DM us or tweet us or whichever way you want to do it, and, and we'll sort of give an update on, on next week's show, I guess, providing we haven't been cancelled for my excessive use of the term pimple dick. Well, uh, <laughs> um, our good friend, Mr. Dan Griffin, it wouldn't be an episode of Chain Wrestling if it wasn't for hearing some of Dan Griffin's escapades. <laughs> At Dan Griffin 21, he says the fire alarm has gone off three times whilst he's been taking a shit at work. <laughs> oh, I mean, I read the, the tweet and it's still funny now. Um, being the last person to stroll out of the building a few minutes after everyone else, because you were dropping the kids off at the pool, isn't a good look. Although by the third, it was just funny. Um, 
He said he didn't rush either on the second and third times. The floor wasn't warm, so he wasn't cutting it off. Now, that makes me think the floor wasn't warm. So is that your gauge as to if you're in a burning building? Yeah, what if, what the, if fire the fire was above? Say, what if the fire is above you? <laughs> oh, my feet are chilly. It's all right. I'll carry on crapping. I face no imminent danger. You know, to me, that's not the safest sort of uh, procedure to have in place, is it? <laughs> well, it, it, it's clearly worked for him because he's survived three. I mean, it's it's weird that he's been in three separate building fires. That that'd be a concern for me. Oh no, he says there were. Um, uh, well, no, he doesn't. It says fire alarms. I'm guessing it's a trial because yeah. nothing was on fire. He says so. Yeah. <laughs> Sod that, I'd be out of the building, mate. <laughs> <laughs> turd, turd just still hanging off. Yeah, I mean, to me, I loved a good fire alarm. It was an extra, back when I smoked, it was an extra fag break, you know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You make sure you take your, pick up your pack of ciggies on the way out. Eh? You can have, yeah. have a smoke whilst they're counting everyone, isn't there? Correct. But there we go. Um, good Cop, Bad Cop wrestling podcast at Good Bad Wrestle uh, had to send us a DM here with their story, which, by the way, everyone listening, if that if that is easier for you, please, by all means, DM us your, your stories or your responses to any tweets. If the, what is it now, Max, 240 characters on Twitter? Uh, if that's, 280, I think. 280, okay. If that's not enough for you to provide enough detail or enough information about your your stories or your tales or your responses to our our other topic questions please by all means dm them to us i'm more than happy to receive those and go through them on the show that's great um the good bad wrestle account says as a third year teacher in england i had to get on stage and speak to one of the houses at the morning assembly about something or another um being an assembly i'm assuming there's quite a gathering of people in the room there mags wouldn't you 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 would think so yeah uh, this was the first time I had to do this, and I was quite a bit nervous. There wasn't much room up on the stage, and I brushed against some furniture as I was trying to leave after my little presentation. My trousers caught on a protruding nail, and a rip created a huge flap exposing a large section of my leg above the knee. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> the kids thought it was hilarious, and I pity whoever had to speak after me. Word of the accident seemed to spread like wildfire as each subsequent class that came in already knew about the incident. To sort this out, he he had a temporary fix of stapling it together because paper clips didn't work until he could get home. So he had a stapled up flap on his trousers. I mean, I'm thinking you've got a patch of skin visible on your trousers. That's like some old school Shawn Michaels or Rock and Roll Express wrestling gear, isn't it? With a big hole in the leg, but the rest of it covered sort of thing, you know? <laughs> Wow. And and that people is is not good cop by cop. That is Graham. Yes. That is Graham. It's definitely not Matt, it's Graham. <laughs> <laughs> um Scott Robertson, uh the brilliant Scott at Scott WWEF one um on Twitter. Also something similar. He ripped his trousers delivering a customer's shopping. Which I'm be embarrassing. You're actually at their house. I'm guessing making you making a delivery and you're you're sort of ripping cock, your, your garments to expose yourself. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's something that's. I, I would be. I think a, a good majority of people have, have had that issue before, where they've uh, they've ripped the pants and the oh, the, the seam has come away. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, at UTT Rob, 
he has messaged and say he knows someone who sent a letter to a customer that said, sorry for any incontinence. This may have, <laughs> um, the issue was that <laughs> <It pissed itself. laughs> the issue was, uh, the role that this letter was sent in, um, was complaint handling. So, so they're already dealing with a complaint and their response is, we're sorry to have <laughs> caused any incontinence. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh dear. Some levels uh, on that. Brilliant stuff. Um at Handy T1TF, our good buddy Handy, great listener of the show, real real good friend of ours. Um he says he once worked with a guy who forgot to wash I'm guessing it's kitchen work we're talking about here. He once worked with a guy who forgot to wash his hands after cutting up jalapenos. He then went to take a leak. The rest I'm sure you know. Uh, we can imagine, Max, can't we? Oh. <laughs> I mean I've 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 rubbed my eyes after cutting chilies. I've never like played with the old fella. No, no. <laughs> I got um I, I really hurt my eye this week actually. I forgot to say earlier on. I, have you ever got deodorant? Right, Max. <laughs> Twenty minute rant now about deodorant. No, no, no. <laughs> we got to talk some wrestling, mate. We've been on this for an hour and a quarter. Um, yeah, no, I really hurt my eye, though, mate. Have you ever got deodorant in your eye? Yeah, I've sprayed myself in the eye with deodorant a few times. What's See? worse is spraying yourself uh, like with air freshener in the mouth. I've done that as well. Yeah. See, that you made the same assumption there that my daughter made when she came downstairs and I basically my one eye was like bloodshot and sore and it was really, really bad. I got allergies anyway, so I suppose they can be a bit I'm supposed to take drops every day and so on. So I suppose they can be a bit more sensitive as well, but yeah, you made the same assumption that my daughter and my wife made when they first saw me after this, this deodorant mishap, um, in that it was a spray deodorant. Mm-hmm. It was a roll on. How did you get that in your ass? Is the question. You rolled it over your ass? No, I didn't roll it over. What kind of a fucking moron do you think I am? I'm not rolling deodorant over me. Eye. A moron that got roll on deodorant in his ass. Yeah, but it's not. If you roll a roll on, on why would you roll a roll on? On your, do you get sweaty eyes, man? Okay, so how did you get roll on deodorant into your ass? Well, I got out of the shower and I was in a bit of a rush. I think you know, like if you if you look at the roll on, you got the ball, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously, there's a liquid that goes on the ball, isn't there? And that's the whole. That's how the whole science of it works, you know. Yeah, gravity. Gravity. <laughs> well, well, say gravity. I must have defied gravity with this. I must have put it on a little bit too vigorously because it splashed up. And I could, obviously, it's going in my eye. And you, you know, <laughs> obviously, you use your eyes for seeing. So, <laughs> so I could see this little white dot flying towards me and it just went in my eye. And that's what it was a little, a little dot of roll on deodorant shot in my eye. And I'll tell you what, mate, it fucking killed. Well, it's alcohol. It I was in so much pain for like days. I had to use this. You de- to be fair, you deserved it, you clown. <laughs> Amazing. Cheers. Thanks for that. <laughs> you clown. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, after all that, then, Mags, after me having a rant, you having a rant, we talk about, you know, I don't know, have you got any stories you need to cover? Embarrassing yeah, work I, mean, I was I was reading the ones off Twitter and nothing really kind of. Uh, embarrassing happened to me uh in a in a workplace but uh, i used to work um in a a, a factory the, the same factory that i mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago with the giant spider that that uh attacked me I hope um, spider. 
<laughs> the home spider that didn't sell your stomp <laughs> no they didn't shout uh but anyway in in, the, in that um job i ended up being part of this this stores team uh so i was like the assistant stores manager and, we, and they were like uh there were about four or five of us uh and they were all uh blokes of, of different ages so you know what blokes get like when they they work together they they they, they're forever trying to prank each other but there was this one uh lady who was part of the team um and she ended up being kind of uh, the butt of quite a few little pranks and the main one that the the i mean i i'm not admitting to doing it at all i found it hilarious but it was not me who did this but the main prank that uh the the rest of the guys used to pull on her was she was addicted to um, to Coca Cola, so every day okay. she'd have multiple cans of Coca Cola. Um, so what they what the guys did is they they got a, uh, a thumbtack and they just pierce a little hole in the can, just below like obviously you open the can at the top, but then yeah. you've got the body of the can, so it'd be like just in into the body of the can, but quite high up, so that when she took a drink of the can it started coming through the hall. <laughs> and then there was this one day she was actually getting interviewed uh, for another job higher up in the company. Uh, and she came and she was in a, a, a white blouse looking really, really um, posh and, and like she really wanted this job. And one of the guys did the, the old pacer hall in the court country and she got cork all the way down this this white blouse, and she oh. was oh she was fuming, absolutely fuming. Um, she ended up getting the job anyway, but she did have to do a uh, an interview in a a cork soaked um, blouse. <laughs> that's um, that's pretty tight, man. <laughs> and then um, another one, which was a a regular. Uh, kind of prank that the 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 guys did. Uh, we had um, loads of uh, pallet racking, like a, a full kind of warehouse of, of pallet racking. But the big the, the metal stuff you make shafts from and that. Yeah, um, basically where you could stack five, six, seven pallets high. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got you. Anyway, so um, what one of the, the 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 big pranks was to was to pin a block down uh, on a pallet wrap him in pallet wrap which is essentially um uh cling film but really really strong and then put him on that pallet up on some pallet rack and, and oh, essentially no. leave him there for a couple of hours uh that happened a lot <laughs> sod well, that man i can handle that i, I don't like heights that so I, I, that would freak me out so if you said to the guys that you didn't like hearts you were going on a pallet yeah i can that imagine was going to happen <laughs> i mean looking back now it's 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 essentially work workplace bullying. Yeah, but, but everybody was in on it. So if you pulled a prank on somebody, you had to watch your back for the next week or so because they were going to get you back. Ah, oh, that is that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. The coke one, which got an interview, man. It's funny though. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> so uh, I'll leave you with uh, a. I mean, essentially, it's probably my most embarrassing one. But we had a, a massive kind of like a... We dealt with a lot of our 
big like 18 wheel truck so we had a massive yard where these trucks would go in and then park up and we'd unload all the stuff um but it when there was not a truck there it was it was almost like a, a huge race course so we used to race uh the faultless trucks okay yeah just because we were dickheads and we weren't doing our job and we uh it we were on we were getting paid so let's just piss about yeah which is which is what any any red-blooded male would do <laughs> yeah. so uh we'd regularly have these uh these uh faultless truck races but there was one particular faultless truck that was everybody knew was faster than the others so if you were planning a race you tried your best to get that truck so anyway, I never usually ended up getting that truck. It was always like one of the other guys. But this one time, I was got to this truck first. So we were there having this race, and it'd be like laps around the 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 yard. And I'm there winning, thinking I were King Dick. Um, and then I kind of banked the faultless truck a little bit too early. Now I'm assuming you've you've uh, drove a faultless truck before. You, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You control it with like a, a a knob on the steering wheel, mm-hmm. uh, so you've got like that agility. Well, me being uh, Billy Big Bollocks, swinging it as hard as we can to try and bank it around this corner, uh, and it it toppled over, and uh, the faultless truck was on its side. I damn near killed myself. Uh, the rest of the lads were all laughing the bollocks off at me, um, and I'm there thinking, shit, I'm going to get fucked for this. Uh, this is like a £20,000 uh, forklift truck tipped on its side. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, so I'm there trying to get one, one of the other lads, let me forklift truck so I can tip it back. Nope, wouldn't let me uh, wouldn't let me tip it over. Uh, and basically I had to explain to the boss what had happened uh, with Amazing. the forklift truck. Thinking I'm tell gonna, the truth? Well, how else do you explain why a forklift truck is led on its side? There was no pallet there to say that the pallet was too heavy and he tipped it. I was fucked. So it was a case of, <laughs> yeah, you've got to admit it. Um, but he was kind of in on it because he'd obviously, he was one of the lads as well. Um, so he's there giving me a roasting. And then at the end of the roasting, it was a case of, uh, it's been done so many times. That that faultless truck is renowned for tipping over if you try and bank it too much. So it, it happened loads and loads of times. So I was there taking a bollocking for it, and uh, it, he already he'd already known because it, it probably had happened to him <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, that Brilliant. that was fun. <laughs> uh, I got a couple of quick ones. Um, I worked at a plastics factory a while back. Quite I'll say a while back, probably a good fifteen years ago now. Um, and they used to get sheets of plastic or rods of plastic of different sizes that you cut to certain diameters or certain sizes or whatever to ship out to engineering companies. Just like a real generic sort of stockist. Mm-hmm. Um, I got asked to cut this, only a metre length of this certain type of material because the type of material is the most expensive plastic we had. And a metre was worth about six and a half grand. Um, that's like, yeah, well, mate, it was like heat, heat tested and it, it could like go on formula one cars and it was like proper legit shit this stuff um so we didn't sell much of it it was six and a half grand i think rough between six and six and a half grand anyway for this this like easy a foot or a meter whichever one it was and they wanted 60 mil billets so 60 mil discs 60 mil thick discs i guess you'd say i programmed the machine wrong set it off running walked away came back i set it to cut six mil so this whole six and a half grand oh. length was cut effectively into 
Oh, I suppose the diameter of it, you could have used them as coasters, I guess. They were probably just about the right size to get a cup on. But they weren't well, 60 mil. Each coaster cost you 200 quid. <laughs> yeah, but they, were, <laughs> they weren't 60 mil thick. They were 6 mil thick. So I was in a bit of trouble for that. And that was quite embarrassing because I was like, you know, head of the engineering side. So that was a bit of a bit of a concern. Um, when I was 16, I was working at a local co-op. And I mean, this is embarrassing if I got found out, which I didn't, I kind of got away with it, but it was that moment of it's embarrassing because I'm still there. Don't look at me sort of thing. Um, the local co-op I worked at was probably 90 seconds from the local pub. And even though I was only 16, I was I've always been quite tall. I suppose I get served in there. And if I was working an evening shift, so um, we used to do six till 10, some evenings, if I wasn't at college in the day, I'd go for a few points in the afternoon, play a few games of darts with my mate, and then, Go off to uh, go off to work in the local co-op. Um, quite often, I take the co-op uniform and go straight from the pub to work. Now, this is going back to a certain time when I don't know if they still make it or still sell it, Max. But do you remember Carling Premier? I do. So it's, it's like Carling Lager, but stronger, and it's like yeah. smoother. It's like Smith. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it's almost like smooth flow jobby in it. It's like it's like the John Smith smooth. It's like you know a bit different difference to it other than just the strength, you know. Yeah, the, 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 um, from like being part of a um, um, a working man's club, the core premiums are basically the the um, they 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 super chilled. I think down to like one per, uh, one degree. Uh, yeah, and they they just they were more expensive, uh, a better quality beer than the standard ones. Yeah, and it's basically uh, we'd have a few points of that in the afternoon, play a game of darts or whatever, and I go off to work. But it used to always have the same effect on me, and then it would make me fart a lot. <laughs> I, I was alright if I drank normal carlin. I was even I was even alright if I drank Guinness and an ale back then. But that's changed now. That makes me stink as well. But back then I was okay with this stuff. You know, me and my mate. That's what we drank. So we had a few points of that. I went off to work. Started at six. By about eight o'clock ish, I'm starting to let out little silent farts. Um, but they're the ones that are warm, so you know they're not going to be pleasant. You know. Yeah. But, and you know what it's like when you've got beer bum as well, don't you? When you've been drinking the night before, you've been drinking that day, and you've got a bit of a bit of a farty arse later on. They're, they're, they're ripe, let's be honest. Um, I was at the stage in the evening, well, we were at the stage in the evening where everything was put away, and we were just what they call facing up, so lining the tins up and all that sort of stuff. So everything was, <laughs> you know. I was working all the way down one of the long aisles and just farting on a regular basis as I worked down it. And it was taking me a good hour or so to work my way down, facing everything up down this one side. To the point where the supervisor walked down the aisle, um, literally retched. I, I'm, I think he may have been sick in his mouth. It's not that bad. Um, and his exact words were, even with customers there, what the fuck is that smell? Has something died down here? So because I'm going red face, but trying to turn my back to sort of keep facing up my little tins of whatever. Um, and I then find out he's took four members of staff off what they were doing to go to take like the metal fronts off and go underneath the shelving to make sure that either A, there was no rotting food under there or B, no animals had died. And they searched the whole wow. store. Wow. <laughs> they searched the whole store because of my rancid ass. <laughs> I hope there's somebody listening to this who was part of that team and remembers that and 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 out you to the the manager? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't keep in contact with any of them anyway. <laughs> Supervisor was a dick. I, I, got, I, I ended up leaving because I got a um, written warning for throwing a cream mega at him in the warehouse. 
So <laughs> that kind of ended my co-op career when he, me and him had an argument and the nearest thing to me was a cabbage cream egg in the warehouse. So I just wanged it out of his head. So it ended up with me leaving then. He gave me a written warning, but I just kind of walked out. So yeah, we weren't on speaking terms when I left. I can imagine if he has heard this and knows that it was my trumping behind that caused him to vomit in his own gob, then uh, yeah, we're not going to be making friends anytime soon. Hopefully so. he listens along and hate tweets about it. Uh, it's one of those things that he hates because it hates you but he listens along on purpose <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'd be brilliant oh magsy an hour and a half into the show i apologize because it's my fault but shall we talk to wrestling week what yeah. can you do exactly mate exactly thing is you've probably got about another nine records set for tonight that you're frantically texting to say you're running late because i won't shut up absolutely not absolutely this is the the last wrestlemania one i've took uh the rest of the the week off on, until oh no i've got one on wednesday I, i'm just just about to tell Lars then no i have got a recording on wednesday <laughs> uh, but no more for today <laughs> ah okay no worries so we've got a bit of time to uh to discuss some wrestling then my friend at last um we are looking at as mentioned earlier on fall brawl 1997 um the nwo versus the four horsemen in the famous jim crockett promotions nwa uh stable match i suppose the war games stipulation um this comes from the winston salem uh sorry the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Just shy of 12,000 people in attendance. And the date it was originally broadcast was September 14th, 1997. Um, But it's not just this event that kind of needs to have a quick gaze at, Max, is it? We've We've got a few excellent promos on Nitro building up to this that kind of led us to to where we are with the NWO versus the Horsemen, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I mean, we've uh, we've spoke about uh, war games on uh, on your your other podcast, uh, and I was I remember telling you then that I went kind of on a journey because I was never a massive WCW uh, fan back then, so I watched a lot of stuff that that I perhaps skimmed over and didn't know a lot about. But the build-up to this actual war games um, match is something that I did already know about, but I didn't know that it was linked to this match if you if you uh, can understand what I mean I, I knew of both incidents but I didn't know that they were part of the same story uh, so there's a an infamous uh, angle or promo from uh, from the NWO guys where they uh, on uh, an episode of Nitro which was uh, which was done to um, as basically like a tribute show to Arn Anderson they came out and absolutely uh tore the the four horsemen and uh, a new one with uh with a lot of kind of like mockery and, and parody of them uh very much akin to the uh the dx uh and nation of domination stuff uh when uh, dx yeah. did that whole angle uh this would kind of was was uh it it preceded that i suppose uh and it got to the point where it was really quiet offensive you can tell back then that wcw uh the talent were given a lot of free reign uh to say a lot of uh uh of their own stuff there wasn't it wasn't exactly scripted so when you have guys like um six or x pack as we know him uh kevin nash 
uh, buff Bagwell, when you give them a, an open mic to say what they want, it, it can sometimes be absolute gold and it can sometimes be be quite offensive. And for me, this these promos that led up to this match were were both gold in terms of comedy, but incredibly offensive, especially towards Arn Anderson. Uh, there's um, a, a, a famous story where his family were actually genuinely really offended by some of the stuff that, that, that was said. Um, they tore into Ric Flair, tore into um, Arn Anderson, and really kind of like shit on the uh, the the legacy of the of the Four Horsemen, um, and and it all stemmed around Kurt Hennig being offered a spot in the Four Horsemen and and needing to take time to think about it. We get to this match um, at, at Fall Brawl, and Kurt Hennig has been attacked just before the match. Um, so essentially we're, we're going into a, a four on three uh, war games match. Um, and that's, that's where we are going into the match then. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to uh, have a little look at those, those promos that Mags excellently explained there, the, the initial promo is Arn Anderson basically having to retire and giving his spot in the horseman to Kurt Henning. Um, that was on the 25th of August episode of Nitro 1997. The and, and it, it's a fantastic promo. I mean, Arn's brilliant anyway. You can see Ric Flair getting emotional in the background. Yep. Um, it's 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 just brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Um, the following week is the NWO parody of this. Uh, I think you're spot on, Mags, with how you explain it, in that it is funny. It, it did make me chuckle watching it back. However, it's also uncomfortable when you know how upset Arn's family were. Uh, they Anderson admitted himself he didn't know any of this was going to happen on television. Mm-hmm. They even, apparently, according to Arn on his podcast, the beer cooler that Kevin Nash carries out to the ring is actually Arn Anderson's personal beer cooler. And they asked if they could borrow it for the skit. And Arn trying to be friendly, let them let them use it without realizing it was going to be like this. Yeah. Um, it's cringe, but funny. But it, it's, it's the, you, I'd, I'd advise people go back and have a little look. Watch them in order. Watch the Arn My Spot promo, which is superb. Yeah. And then it, the following it's, week, it's certainly of the time. Yes. Um, and I don't think I don't know how much it would fly. Uh, in in 2021, I don't think it, it would be would be as as accepted or as as uh, as, as as funny as it was back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like Mags explained, that takes us to four brawl. Eventually, Henning accepts the spot in the Horseman, but during uh, before the before the War Games match. Sorry, I had a complete brain fart there. I can't remember what the match was called. Before the oh, War Games match, there we go. You'll have to strip down the, the whole building and see if there's any uh, rotten meat or dead animals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or or I can just edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> that also. <laughs> um, we'll start again. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Before the War Games match, <laughs> um, Kurt Henning is attacked so uh, as Maz explained he's in theory not going to be part of this so the four horsemen are four no more they are reduced down to a team of flair benoit and mongo mcmichael the nwo team is what the horsemen requested it was the guys involved in 
the uh, parody, I suppose, of the My Spot R. Anderson promo. And you have Buff Bagwell, Six, Conan, and Kevin Nash. Um, you have the good Sir Buffer uh, announcing again, Mags, don't you? You do. And Earning a fortune. Explaining the convoluted rules of this style of, uh, of war games as well. Yeah. There have been seven periods and uh, the first period is five minutes and then two minutes and then uh, there's a, t- a coin toss and the match doesn't officially start until everybody's in the ring. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah, and it's it's the rules the way war games always were from mm-hmm. Jim Crockett Promotions onwards up until NXT kind of took them over and made a few alterations. It's the rules they always were, and it's quite simple and quite easy to follow. But when you actually see them written down and explained to you, they do come across more complex than they actually are, don't they? Yeah, absolutely they do. Yeah. Um, you have Chris Benoit and Buff Bagwell starting the match. Um, I've got a note here saying Bagwell's gear. It looks cool. I don't know I don't know what relevance. He's got black tights on. But like down the side, it's With like that brickwork. Yeah, like fake yeah. bricks and mortar, and all, and they got the NWO logo sprayed on the on the uh, on the brickwork. I thought that looked really smart. Yeah, uh, so I think uh, Buff is uh, a very underrated member of uh, of the NWO. Um, he really kind of like stood out to me as as a, a, a good comedy character. Some of the stuff was a little bit. Um, edgy sport and, and didn't really work uh but he, he was certainly one of those kind of uh wrestlers where if you threw enough shit at the wall some of it stuck and i found him entertaining quite a lot of the time yeah there's a good moment here where he um <laughs> he, he, somebody gets distracted and, and they take a wallop and he literally turns to the camera that's in the cage with them and laughs haha got him again yeah. you know and, and then carries on about yeah. And he match. did that quite a lot through the match. He he was he was breaking that fourth wall quite a lot. Yeah, uh, but it was done in such a real sort of silly, silly sort of cheeky way. It was it was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely was. Um, Conan is next in for the NWO because believe it or not, and this will stun a lot of people listening. The heels won the coin toss. <laughs> dun 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 cuz oh. never happened before <laughs> honestly if, if back in the 80s and early 90s if if you were a gambling man um you'd want jj dillon with you you know at certain situations because he never lost a coin toss ever <laughs> you know all of those 50 50 odds he always won for the horsemen so it's ironic here that you know the nwo being the hill team they win as well but yeah I, I felt that the the two minute intervals, like Conan's come in and we're starting to get the alternating guys joining in the match. It seemed really, really fast. Yeah, I mean, this whole match, uh, it, I think it's only about nineteen twenty minutes long. Yeah, uh, if, if you compare that to like a a, a modern day war games, they're forty, fifty, sometimes an hour long. So it is a a, a relatively quick way of doing it, but. Maybe that was because of of the storyline and and what was going to happen in the match. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a really good good point because to me, well, the, the war games before this as well, going back to sort of you know ninety two was one of my favourites. That one's quite a bit longer. Ninety one is also quite good. That one's quite a bit longer. I feel this whole um, this whole match, this whole stipulation, 
everything about it, the, the the war games, the the amount of people involved, and everything is literally just for the angle at the end. That's mm. that's the feeling I get because nothing of real substance happens in this match to me. I've got barely any notes all the no, way through. It, 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 there's there's no kind of like huge spots. There's no, I mean we've covered uh, uh, war games uh, before and, and uh, remember stuff like um, Brian Pillman almost getting clobbered uh, with the roof. Um, yeah. But there's no. This is essentially just up, up, up till the the last couple enter. It's just people just doing basic wrestling moves, using the the cages uh, to throw people into. There's nothing that really would make this stand out as uh, a wrestling match as, with spots that are different. It's just essentially six guys beating the piss out of each other. Yeah, exactly. Lots of chops, lots of bumping mm-hmm. into the cages, you said, and that's kind of about it. Um, Mongo enters to make it 2v2. We get mm-hmm. six next. Um, and after six has gone in, Kurt Henning finally arrives with his arm in a sling. Yes. Um, really odd to hear him described as the enforcer. That, as a big R. Anderson and, and Horseman fan, that came across very strange on the television, Max. Mm-hmm. And especially knowing how the storyline goes, mm. um, knowing that he essentially took um, the spot of of Arn, and and then how the I mean we're, we're going to get to the end anyway, but how the end of the match goes, yeah, it was quite jarring hearing him being um, referred to uh, as the enforcer. Yeah, I mean, handing sort of gestures he wants in the ring. Flair kind of tells him, no, he's going in. Um, so Flair is in next. And again, the crowd pop for Flair. He's, he's this is this is horseman country. This is Flair country. Yeah, uh, you know, he's super over as as is the rest of the horsemen just by um, association, I guess. And then Kevin Nash enters the ring. And again, we have a whole lot of nothing, lots of chops and uh, and so on. Um and like I said, Max, it just seemed to fly by so quickly with a whole lot of nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally agree with you. Uh, it was it was essentially building to the 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 point where Kurt comes in in into the ring, and you think that this is going to be the equalizer because you knew what was coming. It was always going to end up being four being down on three uh, using that advantage. I mean, Buff and Kevin say it at the beginning of the match. Let's use this. Um, uh, we've got the numbers advantage. Um, you you were expecting it to be that, and then Kurt Henning enters. Yeah, and he he's wearing a full horseman T-shirt, still with his arm in a sling. Um, he he enters last. Obviously, he's the last individual out of the eight left. As he goes in, he, his arm comes out the sling. So to a bit of a pop, I'm guessing the crowd is still thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is this is a ruse." He's with the horseman. Um, he starts handing out handcuffs and punching members of the horsemen. Sorry, handing out handcuffs to the guys in the NWO and punching the horsemen. So obviously, yeah. all is not as it seems, Max, is it? Clearly not. Those naughty NWO fellas have duped us again. And where did they get those handcuffs with the really long chains? Yeah. You only ever see them in wrestling. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of them? You, you, you know... If if I ever got nicked, that's, I think that's the handcuffs I'd like. You could just step over them. You could virtually skip in those. Yeah, you, I mean, you could use them as a weapon against the police officers. You could chalk them out with the chain. Uh, 
<laughs> I had an ex-girlfriend, right? <laughs> I had an ex-girlfriend who lived in Liverpool. Um, she had great lass. I mean, a bit of a handful, don't get me wrong, but she was a great lass. And um, she used to get herself in trouble a lot with the law, with the police. Um, but she was quite a quite quite a thin lass, um, quite a slender lass. But she had, I wouldn't say skinny wrists or little hands, but her wrists were sort of a little bit bigger than her hands, potentially, I guess, or, or, or something along those lines. So when she get in trouble with the police, because I mean, you know, I've explained about my time in Liverpool before, drugs and so on. She'd, um, I, I've seen her put handcuffs, be handcuffed and put in the back of a car. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, she's lighting a cigarette despite her hands being handcuffed behind her because she has literally slipped one hand out of the handcuffs to have a cigarette in the back of the police car. Wow. And I'm just looking at her thinking, okay, first of all, I need to get back down safe. This is, this is not for me. But secondly, I'm thinking that was actually kind of cool. That's a, that's a skill. That's, <laughs> that's an actual skill. That takes some ball, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, on the, on the notes of handcuffs, um, Chris Benoit at one stage is, fighting to the, the, the horseman guys get handcuffed to the cage yeah. but chris benoit is fighting against these well, handcuffs. well essentially two of the horsemen yeah uh, yeah mongo mcmarco um i think he's handcuffed by kevin nash uh and that one's relatively uh easily done uh benoit's corden struggled corden could not work a pair of handcuffs well this is what i was getting to yeah uh, benoit his arms, uh, 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 he, he can't move. He, you know, he's mm-hmm. obviously the handcuffs are there. His arms are rigid. He can't bring his arms down. He can't fight away from it. But there's a good 30 seconds where he's like that, where he's not actually chained to anything. If you watch, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's acting like, oh my God, because, because the handcuffs are on my wrists. That's it. I'm knackered. My arms have to stay in this position now, but he's not actually cuffed to anything, but he's acting like he already is, which is quite comical when you see it back. Um, yeah, and then basically the, the NWO with with new new member Henning um, beat on Ric Flair whilst asking the other two members over and over, do they want to quit? Whilst also giving them the odd kick and punch as well. Yeah. Um, and in Benoit's case, he uh, he spits on Buff Bagwell quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody disgusting. <laughs> um. They ask several times. This bit for me went on. Don't get me wrong, the match was only 19-odd minutes long, as you said, Max, which is incredibly short for a War Games match. But this bit went on too long. They kept asking and I know they're trying to build up suspense and build up drama, but it got to a point it got to a point throughout this period of the match where I'm just thinking, oh, for crying out loud, we know you're going to give up. Just do it, man. You know, it was it, it was enough was enough for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did eventually... Uh... Uh, have a reason to give up when uh, when Hennig drags Flair over to to the, the the door of the cage and put his head in it uh, and threatened to to slam in the cage. So I, I saw the point of why they would eventually give up. Uh, but yeah, they did drag out asking him and then beating Flair and then asking him and and laying a few punches in. Uh, it didn't they didn't need to do that. I think because they asked him asked uh, Mongo and and Benoit about three or four times. Um, I th- it just felt to me like it was every one of the members of the NWO needed to get a little bit of mark timing, um, so they all had to have like a, a bit of a say, uh, and then a wallop of a of a horseman. Yep, yep, makes sense, mate. Makes sense. Uh, and again, knowing the NWO 
members now as we do and the sort of history of them behind the scenes everyone getting a bit of mic time in does kind of make sense doesn't it i suppose knowing what we know now um eventually flair is dragged towards the door has his head in the open cage doorway henning is threatening to slam the door on flair's already bloody bonds there um somebody shout i think it's mongo and she says yeah okay we quit don't do yeah. that um they ring the bell and oh those dastardly nwo fellas they went and bloody did it anyway didn't they who'd have thunk it yeah who knew that that was still going to happen <laughs> yeah little pesky buggers didn't they them nwo guys but yeah and that was uh that was it one of the quickest war games matches i can recall i mean i may be wrong there but i, I can't see there being many war games matches longer than that um i'm not gonna lie I was looking forward to this because it's NWO, because it's Four Horsemen, two factions I love, because it's War Games. It's, again, a stipulation I enjoy. It's WCW. It's a company that, despite all its weird craziness, I enjoy. I was looking forward to this so much more than what I actually got to see, if that makes sense, Max. Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. But uh, for me... Um, this whole kind of storyline and the build into it, it it actually was putting me off the match because knowing how uh, members of the NWO were, uh, NWO were politically uh, and knowing that this was kind of in the the, the period of uh, of WCW where they were doing a lot of uh, outlandish things for the sake of, of being outlandish. Uh, I wasn't going into this with any kind of high hopes. Uh, so for me, actually, it was better than than I expected it was going to be. Ah, okay. Well, that could be very interesting when we come to give our ratings in a moment, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly before we get to that, I want to touch upon Nitro the following night which would be September the 15th, 1997. Um, If you've not seen the first few minutes of this Nitro, I advise, along with the Arn Anderson My Spot promo and the NWO parody not long before the event, this episode directly after 4.97, again, September 14th, 1997 Nitro, go and watch the opening sort of five, ten minutes. You get a still of Ric Flair um, with marks all over his face, some really weird plastic or rubber cone up his nose to help him breathe. I don't know what that's about. It looks very strange. Um, and he's quite an odd colour as well, Flair there. Not odd colour as in, you know, a Bagwell or a Hogan tan, just a kind of odd colour. Um, and then it cuts to the commentary team of Iron Mike Tanay, Larry Zbysko, and our main man, Tony Schiavone. And Tony's visibly upset about the state of flair and um, at the beginning of this episode of nitro um it looks very rough the condition flair is in but it also looks very non-real let's be honest about this but tony shivani man give this guy an oscar he sits there he looks crestfallen he looks defeated he looks mortified at what's going on he, he takes his headset off and says he can't carry on with the broadcast it's equally funny as it is cringeworthy it's yeah. well worth going and having a little look at, I think. <laughs> I personally don't think he was acting at all because when you oh, really? uh, when you watch the uh, the promos where they were mocking uh, the horseman, 
you, he sounds visibly uh, upset and he sounds disgusted in what he was watching uh, and he makes a point of, uh, of of kind of like breaking kayfabe by saying if uh, I, I've got some say uh, backstage because he, he not only was he a commentator but he was also a producer. Yes, uh, he says I've got some some say backstage, and you will never see anything like this again uh, because it's ridiculous. So you can tell he was was legitimately upset at this whole storyline. Oh, okay. See, I didn't. I, I heard him say that, um, but I I just assumed it was a uh, work, yeah. a brother. You know, well, or it, it may well be, but he, if it is, he's one of the best actors that we've had in wrestling. Give that guy an Oscar, man. <laughs> uh, he's just looking out for one of his mates, though, Mags, isn't he, I suppose, because him and Flair go back a long way, don't they? And him and Arm. Yeah, yeah, looking out for one of his friends. Um, I suppose in the same way that the Ultimate Warrior looked out for one of his friends at SummerSlam 91, and he came back and helped Hulk Hogan save the world. I'll get um, it in there. I'll get it in there. <laughs> Um, out of 10 then Mags my friend how would you rate this war games contest I mean it was it was not a classic at all um, the 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 actual in ring stuff felt like it hadn't been booked and it was just going fill time with uh, with basic wrestling um, I've got to give props to uh, to X-Pac I think he bumped the hell uh, for and sold really well for this match. I think if if anyone was the MVP of this match, it's certainly him. Um, but I didn't hate it. Uh, even even with the 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 easily telegraphed ending, so I didn't hate watching. I didn't think well that was twenty minutes wasted. Um, so I'm 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 not going to be probably as, as uh, hard on it as I as I as I expect you to be. But it, it's certainly not a, a, a five stars in the Tokyo Dome style match. So I'm I'm going to go fairly middle of the road. I think it was on the the lower side of average. So I'm going to go for four out of ten. Ah, okay, okay. See, I've actually got it a touch higher, believe it or not. Even though you hated it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, it was all right. I got as much enjoyment out of this, I suppose, as Steiner Booker T in Ooh. the straight jacket steel cage match. I prefer. Yeah, I, I suppose a real chain wrestling staple that match, isn't it? We're going to have to go back and have a look at that again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it was by any stretch of the imagination a classic. I think it was, it was, it was okay. I could watch it. I wouldn't rush to watch it again. I'd probably go with a five mags. So a smidge higher potentially, but the same as you, I suppose in general feeling it's very much middle of the road, very much bang average. It it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. The NWO got more heat. Henning got the the turn, got joined them and it kept them heading towards the return of sting later in the year, I suppose, which is kind of what the whole 12 month period on one level was building towards i suppose mate yeah absolutely i mean it 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 wasn't offensive it wasn't a kind of a match that i would have gone yeah i I absolutely hated it because i didn't it was it was Mm. all right yeah yeah fair enough uh okay buddy 
next up is just to link to where we go next week okay, we had a now. couple of quick suggestions on twitter if you don't mind my friend let me just bring it up um we had one that i think is superb and this comes from uh good cop bad cop again um bad cop says with the nwo being Dutchins hall of fame and so was william shatner we should review one of his singing albums mm, and it also got that got replies did it really it did people oh. saying that it's a great idea um i don't know if we're gonna do that maybe maybe as uh an additional topic one week we can have our wrestling link but we can also have a look at william shatner's um albums and have a little gaze through some tracks of his potentially we'll we'll have have a chat about it offline mags and uh, see what we can think that may be a solo episode what just you not just you (laughs) (laughs) so what have i done to upset you um and utc rob responded we could just use rick flair and go to rick flair and david flair uh to the great american bash i mean the the the, the different kind of links that you have with the the talent in the ring that i actually had a lot of uh fun trying to kind of whittle down where i wanted to go okay okay well let, let's let's hear it bud where, where have you selected Okay, so I actually, uh, like I said, you can go with Kevin Nash, any of these competitors. Uh, you can go with the Fall Brawl event. Um, and there's, there's literally dozens of places where I was, oh, we could go here, we could go there. So I've actually narrowed it down to, to four that I'm, I'm going to mention. Uh, so first I wanted to, to link with uh, Fall Brawl. So I mm-hmm. thought, why don't we look at Fall Brawl 1998? Uh, and there's a very uh, poignant um, match there uh, that actually led to one of the, the greatest things in, in wrestling um, ever, in my opinion, uh, the, the debut of Chris Jericho on, on Raw. Um, he fought uh, Goldberg, uh, but it was actually a, a, an impersonator of Goldberg. Uh, now, that storyline was that uh, Chris had... Uh, been challenging Goldberg and Goldberg hadn't uh, hadn't uh, taken him on and uh, he was saying that every time Goldberg didn't turn up he it was essentially another victory for, for Chris uh, and he's made a, a big point of the, the fact that he didn't get that traction with that uh, was one of the reasons he, he knew he was always going to be on the undercard he was never going to be a main eventer in, in, in WCW and that, that was essentially what made him leave and go to, to WF and we got Y2J which is which is where Chris Jericho became the, the big superstar that he is so I, was, mm-hmm. I thought we'd go with that but then I remembered it was only about 90 seconds long so there's not <laughs> a lot to talk about that would have um, fit well on, on this week's episode to be honest wouldn't it we could have, just yeah, that in yeah. we could have got it in yeah. <laughs> um, so then what I wanted to do was look at the rest of the card and, and see where we could go using those so uh, uh, Full Brown 1997 actually opens with Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Jericho um, and I thought we could visit a, a similar match, and actually I did a bit of cage match digging, and uh, they only ever had one WWF uh, pay-per-view match. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was actually at uh, Insurrection 2000. So I thought we could we could go and visit that match uh, with that being their only, uh, because they didn't, they, they kind of like floated around each other in, in WWF, but 
didn't really have a lot of a uh, lot of real interaction there outside of a couple of rows. Uh, but then I thought, no, uh, that we can save that for for another time. I mean. We, I don't think we've covered uh, anywhere near enough Jericho, Ed, Guerrero stuff yet, so we can we can certainly uh, visit that. And then I thought I'm going to actually look at the counter programming that, that WWE WWF at the time did around that time. So oh, interesting. This, so this event was actually sandwiched in between two uh, different WWF pay per views. So they had uh, at the beginning. Uh, let me just get the right one up. So just the week before this, they had uh, In Your House Ground Zero. Okay. Which, which if you remember, had the the match, uh, the the headline match of Shawn Michaels versus The uh, Undertaker, which ended up in a no contest. Uh, but then you also had uh, Bret Hart uh, defeating The Patriot. Uh, so there's a, a lot of interesting matches on, on that card. I think it opened with Brian Pillman uh, beating uh, Goldust and which meant he had the services of Marlena for 30 days. Uh, but then straight after that pay-per-view, uh, the week after uh, Fall Brawl, which would have been the, the 20th of, of September, we got a UK pay-per-view, one night only. Okay. Which also has a, a very interesting and controversial uh, match on it uh, with Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog uh, in the headliner for the uh, European title. Uh, and if you remember the story around that, it was uh, that the uh, bulldog was meant to win. His uh, his uh, his sister had just uh, had just beaten cancer, and it was meant to be a feel good moment for for uh, the the bulldog in Manchester, uh, having uh, having the the whole crowd uh, cheer him on. And Shawn Michaels politicked his way to winning that title. The little bitch. Oh, do you not know this story? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. I love um, Sean. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge Sean yeah. fan, but my God, was he a dick? Yeah. So he politicked his way to the winning the towel on the the proviso that he would drop it back to Davy Boy uh, and give him and the rub, but that didn't end up happening, and he ended up actually dropping it to Triple H in a, a finger poke of Doom style match. Mm. Uh, so we could go with that one, um, but I think. I think we will go with the 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 main event from Ground Zero, the uh, the Shawn Michaels versus the Undertaker match. Oh, okay. So that is Shawn Michaels versus the Undertaker in your house, Ground Zero. Just making a quick note of it down here, so I do not forget because my memory is shocking. And the reason why I wanted to pick that one is because of what it led up to. Uh, it was because of that match that we ended up getting uh, the first Hell in a Cell at Bad Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great period in WWF, wasn't it? 1997. Yeah, absolutely. Really great stuff going on there. Um, you mentioned a one p- possible um, link you could have used was taking us to inter- uh, Insurrection, sorry, 2000. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a real cheap plug here. Um, Insurrection at 2000 is actually the next pay-per-view I'm looking at with um, local wrestler David Eaton for oh, awesome. my SJP wrestling podcast. We're going back looking at um, 2000 pay-per-views from the WWF in order, uh, roughly one a month-ish, depending on how they dropped 
in the actual calendar year of 2000 and that one is one we're looking at next we've come to that stage next um, and it's really interesting from my standpoint because i know for a fact i have never seen that show before so really? if any I mean, yeah you're in for a good time there's a, a really good match uh between the hardy boys and and uh edge and christian uh and then you i think the main event is uh the rock versus shame mcmahon or shame mcmahon and triple h i think Okay, excellent stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's, it's been really good going back through these pay-per-views w- with David Eaton. It's been brilliant. I mean, it's, the reason we started with Rumble 2000 was because he... That's the first pay-per-view he watched. So we're literally going through the first pay-per-views he watched as a fan. It's really interesting hearing his memories and his viewpoints, um, having been in the ring himself uh, uh, and sort of understanding things maybe that I don't see. And also it's great fun for me just getting to watch this brilliant wrestling and talk about it with David. So yeah, Inspection 2000 is the next one. Um, have a little look out for that. But my link, Mags, mate, is much, much simpler than any of those potential links you put forward. It's... Um, I feel this week, especially, I've been a bit negative. I've been a bit shouty. I've been a bit ranty. I believe rightfully so because people have pissed me off. However, chain wrestling, as I said, chain wrestling is for everyone. Oh, that's going to end up being like a hashtag or something like that. <laughs> but chain wrestling is for everyone. I want it to be a fun time. I want people to listen and enjoy themselves. Um, if I've brought anyone down with my ranting and my cross actions earlier i apologize but i felt these things needed to be said i needed to get them off my chest um i would like to go somewhere that does i think bring joy to people i would like to go somewhere that does make people smile it certainly makes me happy whenever i see it and i hope it makes other people happy so by way of hopefully returning chain wrestling to a more chirpy happy atmosphere next week i would like to take eddie guerrero from the opener of 4 97 like you pre-mentioned and i'd like to just simply use eddie as the link he was in the opener of 4 97 i'd like to go back to no way out 2004 and see him beat brock for the belt because I think that makes everybody smile. Yeah, it's such a feel-good moment. Uh, everybody pick pick Simon's pick because <laughs> I am I am happy to let Simon win this one. Well, okay. I mean, I, I like your pick as well, though, Mag. So that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but those are your options for next week. Then, good Twitter people, uh, listeners, and everyone else out there who tunes in to Chain Wrestling every week. We adore you all. You are brilliant. Thank you so much for all the interactions. Here are your choices. We have Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker from 1997 at In Your House Ground Zero, or we have Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, no way out 2004 the poll will be up um as always within an hour to a day after the show is up on wednesday so keep an eye out for that on all of our social medias you can find the show on facebook and twitter but twitter is primarily the main one if you've if you've got a twitter if you haven't open one up and follow us um uh, at chain underscore wrestling that's where the poll appears every week um mags whereabouts can people find you online my friend okay um like i said at the at the rant section of the show i've been uh, i've been kind of quiet on on wrestling twitter uh, but you can certainly find me at dej kirby and um i'm happy to have conversations just just don't be a dick very much so mate very much so 
do not be a dick again the show is at chain underscore wrestling i want to thank absolutely everyone for listening and interacting with us i like to think that chain wrestling has has got a lovely group of people who listen and interact a lovely sort of mini community within a community i guess and i hope that that can carry on as i've said plenty of times during this this sort of two-hour bumper episode, I guess, of the show. Chain wrestling is for everyone. I want it to be that way. And I hope that we can, you know, I hope me and Mags can put a smile on your face on a Wednesday when this show comes out. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, you can find, as I said, the show at chain underscore wrestling. I am at SJP Words. And I'm off now to go and block some pimple dicks on Twitter. I will speak to you next week, Mags, my friend. <laughs> Speak to you next week. Cheers, mate. Tell her.